And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Depending on some of your translations, it actually says what it means there. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. I don't know if you caught this in Matthew chapter 1, but I see two names in here. And when I begin to read this, I'm like, wait a second. It said that they were going to call him Jesus. But then the prophet said that they were going to call him Emmanuel. So which name is it? What's happening here? I love when I find things like this in the Bible because it's an indicator that there's so much more going on here. It, it should highlight something to me. This is not a contradiction, by the way. This is the Lord revealing something so deep. That's why I love the Bible. It's deep. you got to dig. So we're going to dig a little bit more here. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. It's in the Old Testament. you got to flip back some. Probably in the middle of the Bible for you. Isaiah 7, 14. This is where Matthew is getting this from. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Everybody say sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. So the prophet Isaiah made a declaration, made a prophecy that one day a virgin would bear a son and his name would be called Emmanuel which is God with us. So Matthew is connecting Jesus to this name. Matthew's saying, hey, I, I know you've heard this prophecy. I know you've heard about this future coming of God being with us. And Matthew's saying, I'm here to let you know he's arrived. This is a big deal. What Matthew is saying, kicking it off in chapter 1, is a massive deal to those reading this at the time. That God had arrived. That the prophecy, that the things that they had hoped for, that they'd been believing for, for generations and generations, was here. That God was now with us. And I believe that there's a question that many people reading this and hearing about this at the time asked that maybe some of us ask today is how do I know that God is with me? How do I know that this Jesus is God and that he declares that he is with us? How do I know? We're going to answer that here today. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, I just thank you that you are a God that is with us, that you do not leave us or forsake us, that you love us so much that you desire to be with us, that there's none like you. God, I pray for a fresh revelation today of your presence, of who you are. God, let us throw away our ideas of who we think you are. God, let us know, let us learn today more about you and who you are. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I titled today's message, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the name we're going to talk about. The name of Jesus, yes, is a very powerful, important name, but we're going to dive into what it means today that is God with us. And when I was praying about the direction of the message today, God really wanted me to focus on the fact in Isaiah 7, it said that, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Anybody in here ever ask God for a sign? Come on, God, need a sign. Show me that you're real. I want to believe, but show me, help me understand that you're real. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think God's upset at that. I don't think God's upset when we ask him to reveal himself to us, to show him, to help us understand. But I've been there. I've asked God to, to give me a sign, to help me understand things. So I want to show you some signs today how you know God is with you. And if you're a note taker, I really want you to take some notes today. I want you to write some things down because I believe God's going to unpack some things as you read over your notes throughout the week. Because this is something to know God, this is something we have to practice. We have to walk in to really know. So, point number one, if you're taking notes, a sign that God is with me is God has a sound. There's a sound of God. You don't believe me? Let's check it out. Flip to Genesis chapter 3, beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. I'm going to give you some time to flip there. Yes, we have it on the screen, but I do like for you to use your Bible. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read in verse 8. For those of you that wonder, I'm reading in the ESV translation, if you want to follow along. Here it is in verse 8. Talking about Adam and Eve here. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, I hid myself. If you continue to reading, reading, God begins to ask him, well, who told you you were naked? Who said that? How do you know? It's interesting how Adam and Eve, once sin crept in, when they heard God, they hid. When they heard God, they were hiding. Because if you begin to read, God was walking with them. He was in the garden with them. It's interesting how sin will make us want to hide, will make us want to run. But God has a sound. And a sign that God is with you is you can hear the sound. But what's interesting is it's up to you what you do when you hear the presence of God. 
That's why worship is so powerful. We're hearing something. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have. There's been moments when I walk in here and I don't feel like worshiping, but I begin to raise my hands. I begin to praise God. I begin to tell him how amazing, how awesome that he is. I begin to worship him, and all of a sudden, worship sounds different. It doesn't sound the same as when I first walked in. You see, the sound begins to change, and my response begins to change. You see, I worship a little bit differently. It's interesting how the sound of God can be moving in this room, and we could all be responding differently. Some of us in this very room could be hiding from the sound of God. Amongst us, amongst we could be hiding because we know what we've done this week. We know our mistakes and our downfall. And I love what TJ said during worship is God's not focused on that. God's asking you to focus on him, not your mistakes and not your downfall. And it's interesting how God says to Adam and Eve, well, who told you about your sin? Who told you about that? And their response was to hide. But God has a sound. And when God's moving, there's a sound associated with it. The question is, do you hear it? Because you can be in this room and God move and you miss it. God has a sound. And Adam and Eve, they, they, they knew it because they had spent time with God. They knew what the sound of God was like. So I have a question for you. Do you know what this sound is, and are you listening? Are you listening for it? When we engage in worship, worship is such a powerful time because it's a time for us to tune in to God, not to tune into our problems and our mistakes and our downfall. Because depending on which one you're more focused on is going to be the one you hear. You can hear shame and condemnation right here in the sanctuary. But it's not God. It's not God speaking. It's not God moving. But do you hear the sound of him moving, of his voice? Maybe it's been a while since you've heard the voice of God or you know what the voice of God sounds like. And I've shared this with many of you before, so if you're new here, maybe this is the first time you're hearing it. But you've got kind of three voices going on in your head. you got you, and you know what you sound like. you got God speaking to you, but you also have the enemy speaking. You have to be learning to discern those voices. To discern, what, what am I thinking about right now? Is this thought from the Lord? We have to be willing to discern this sound that is going on in our head. Sometimes it's just you. And sometimes you know you, and you know you can be saying some crazy things. Sometimes you know you, and sometimes it's you just trying to pump yourself up. And it's you trying to convince yourself to do something that God hasn't told you to do. But you know you, but do you, do you understand the sound 
of God moving. And sometimes this can really be hard to put something specific on the sound of God because we begin to understand what God sounds like the more we spend time with him. The more we read about God and what he's like. This is why we have to read our Bible. We have to read what is God like. When God enters a situation, what happens? What is that sounding like? You know God's entered a situation when the person that you're talking to begins to say some positive things. See, when God enters a situation, the sound should change. It should sound different when God is involved with the sound. Even in your own life, you will see the things that you speak change the more time you spend with God. You should. Like, let's be honest. Our language should change the more time we spend with God. We should encourage other people more. We really should. We should build one another up way more than we do. We begin to hear God's voice and what he desires to do the more time that we spend with him. I was sharing with my wife about this example. And, you know, if if you came to my wife and you said, Carmen, uh, Robert wants seafood for dinner. He wants fish for dinner. My wife would be like, no, he doesn't. He don't like seafood. That doesn't sound like Robert. That's what she would say. And I know it's weird. My last name's Bass. I get it. And I don't like seafood. But but that's because she knows me. To some of you in here, that was brand new information. Brand new. You now know, don't invite Robert to a seafood restaurant. I'm going to eat chicken at a seafood restaurant. So, amen. So now you know. So when someone says, I'm going to invite Pastor Robert out for a seafood dinner, you can be like, I don't know. Doesn't sound like he's going to like it. You should know these things about God. When you hear things happening, you should say, mm, doesn't sound like God. That doesn't sound like the God I know. But if I can be honest with you for a moment, sometimes it's hard to know what God sounds like because we're not spending time with him. Therefore, we just don't know. And it could be for multiple reasons. Maybe you're brand new with walking with God. That's okay, right? Maybe you're new to your relationship. There could be a bunch of different reasons. But we know what God sounds like by spending time with him. This is how Adam and Eve knew the sound of God in the garden. So point number two, a sign that God is with you, Emmanuel, is you can see God moving. There's a sight of God. I want you to flip to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. And if you're taking notes, write these scriptures down. You can read them more later. Mark 4, verse 39 This is a story of Jesus in the boat with his disciples in the middle of a storm. They're in a storm, the boat's sinking, filling up with water. They're being tossed around everywhere, and Jesus is sleeping, taking a good nap, power nap. Jesus invented the power nap. 
Mark 4, 39, listen what happened. The disciples woke him up. And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and sea and said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and sea obey him. This was a big revelation moment for the disciples. Because we know in Genesis 1, God created everything. So God had authority over it all. Here is Jesus demonstrating that authority. But what's important to see here is the disciples knew the power of God because they actually saw the wind and sea become calm. So there are things in your life, there are miracles that you will see. But do you see them? I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, God is still a miracle-working God. He's still doing miracles. Just the other day, I saw a social media post where hundreds of Muslims got saved by having dreams about Jesus. Maybe you saw that. And I haven't fact-checked it yet, but I believe, right? Disclaimer there. But I believe that God can still do that. I believe that God is still a miracle-working God that can reach the unreachable. I believe. So you can see news... And you can say, I don't believe that. There's no way that happened. Or you can begin to see the miracles that are possible through God. So it's interesting how even after the disciples saw the sea and wind become calm, they were still afraid. They were still afraid. So I challenge you again by saying you can see miracles in your life. And still let it affect you the other way. Y'all, I've seen so many people pray and pray and pray and ask God for a job, for this thing, for that thing. And God provides it for them. And months later, it's a burden. God can do miracles in your life and you can now change the way you see it. But the beautiful part about it is you can change the way you see it. How are you viewing God moving in this world? Look, we all know the world is getting worse. We all know that. But that's not what God's asked us to focus on. It's not what he's asked us to see. He's asking us to make a difference in this world. To see the opportunities we have to make a difference. Or you can continue to consume yourself with negativity and the things that are shared and the narrative on social media. And you can believe other things and you can get focused on all of the bad things happening. Or you can see the miracles and the opportunities that are right in front of you. 
So tomorrow, I want you to try praying this prayer. Tomorrow when you wake up, I want you to say, God, help me to see the miracles today. When you pray that, God will change your perspective. The very same day you would have walked out, the very same day you would have lived, and God can show you all the miracles that are within that day. Maybe you'll even get to be a part of a miracle. Maybe God will begin to show you and allow you to be a miracle in someone else's life. But how you see affects things. But here's the beautiful part. But it doesn't change that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God is still with us, but do you see him? Do you see? But when you see, it's a sign that God is with you, and it should encourage you. This is why I encourage everyone to to take notes, to write things down. I do. I look back in my notes once a week. I look back in my notes once a month, and I look through my notes to remind myself that I've seen God move. I have to remind myself because we forget, and we just move on to the next thing. So it's important to have sight. Point number three, another way that we know that God is with us is we can sense God. That there's a sense of God, a sense of his presence. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John 14, 15. Jesus is about to make a powerful statement here. He says in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees, oh, there goes that C word again, Or knows him. But you know him. Why? For he dwells within you. Then Jesus says this, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is such an impactful scripture. If you ever get discouraged, if you ever feel like God is not with you, read this scripture. Read this scripture, John 14. Remind yourself that God desires to have a relationship with you. That he wants to be with you. That he's given us the Holy Spirit to sense and to understand the times that we're in. I love it what what he says here is, he says, the spirit of truth. God has given us the Holy Spirit so we can discern what the truth is. So if you ever wonder if something that you hear is the truth, you can just ask God. He's there to help you discern the truth, to know what is right and wrong, to know 
what is the truth. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all, we all see a half-truth. So as soon as you start thinking that you've got the whole truth in your hand, you're, you're missing a perspective. But God can begin to fill in the parts that you don't know, that you don't see. You know, a lot of times we know God based off of the version we've been taught or we've experienced. A lot of times we, we come to God, we pray, we, or we come to church, or we follow him based off of the God we think we know. And it's a humbling thing, y'all. It's a humbling thing to come before God and say, God, show me who you are. It's hard to do that. In worship, a lot of times we feel like we don't want to worship because we're focusing on worship on the God we think we know. But the greater revelation we have of God, worship becomes very easy. So if you have a problem worshiping, just say, God, reveal yourself to me. Show me who you are. Say, God, I want to know you. I want to know who you really are. Not from someone that has taught me about you. Not from someone could be right, could be wrong. But God, I want to know you. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit God with us so we can sense and know him better. And what I love about this is this has always been God's intention. From the very beginning in Genesis, God has desired to be with you. Jesus is coming back. Why is he coming back? He's coming back to get you. <laughs> he wants to be with you. His desire is to be with you. We have the Holy Spirit now because he desires to dwell with you. But from, for some of us, we just don't know him. Or we, or we serve and we worship a version of him that we don't know. So I want to share with you some things that have really opened my eyes to Jesus. Recently, I had uh, a guy come, and we had some cracks in our garage, and he was coming to tell me how expensive it's going to be to fix it. <laughs> and he asked what I did, and I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And... I begin to tell him why I follow Jesus. I begin to tell him, I'm like, look, I don't follow Jesus because I've been taught to follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because I have searched him out because I want to know him. And the more I search him out, the more I've learned to love him. The more I search him out, the more I, I begin to say, wow, there's so much to love. There's so much to understand. And as I've searched him out, I've learned so much. And I don't want to stop. So some things that have just blown my mind recently about Jesus 
is I've been thinking about him on the cross. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, the fact that he died for our sins is a pivotal moment in your life. And on the cross, some very impactful things happen. When Jesus was dying on the, on the cross, there was a massive earthquake. You can read this in your Bible. You can also read this in history books. When the Son of God laid down his life for your sins, there was a massive earthquake on this earth. It's not just a fiction story. There's rocks right now you can go see that are split in half from this moment. This is a big deal. This is not just some story. When the Son of God laid down his life, the earth shook. Another powerful thing that happened is in the temple, there was this room called the Holies of Holies. And there was this veil that was separating the Holies of Holies. And during this earthquake, the veil ripped in two. This was not a small piece of cloth. This was a thick cloth, and it got ripped in two. What does this mean? It means now you don't need a priest or a pastor to come to God. It's never been God's intention, though. From the very beginning, God's intended to be in a relationship with you, with you personally. Got ripped in two. What's even more mind-blowing about this earthquake is people actually rose from the dead. Again, you can read this in your Bible. You can read this in history books for those of you who like to read and study. People actually rose from the dead, came out of their graves when Jesus gave up his life. And they went into the city and began to testify to the people, to their own family. How amazing is it that Jesus says, one day I'm going to come and get you. One day I'm going to raise you from the dead. And he proved it as he laid down his life, that he has the power to do it. You can read it in the Bible. You can read it in other history books. The reason I keep telling you this is because this is historical evidence of something happening. Maybe you've never dug into Jesus. Maybe you've never even really researched into what's happened. But there's plenty of other books to back this up. And this begins to open my eyes to say, if this is happening, this has to be a special person. If people are coming up from the grave, if the earth is shaking, this has to be a very special person. And I just continued to dig and continue to research. One of the other things that was so powerful and meaningful is as Jesus gave up his life, there was a Roman soldier. There was a leader of the Roman army standing there guarding him. And he looks to Jesus. He looks at everything happening. And says, this must be the Son of God. Someone experiencing all of this in the moment 
begin to sense that this must be God. This is no normal person. This couldn't just happen. I mean, he had, this Roman soldier had probably seen thousands of executions like this. Even the two people on the cross, one standing behind, beside him. And Jesus says, I'll see you in paradise. The people around Jesus knew that something special was happening. That this wasn't normal. So maybe you've asked this question before. God, where are you? I know his disciples, after Jesus laid down his life, they began to ask, where are you? I thought you were going to rule the world. But as we know, just a few days later, Jesus was resurrected from the grave and began to show himself to hundreds of people. Again, you can look in history books. Hundreds of people saw the risen Jesus. Testified that he was alive. And Jesus says that he was going away to be with the Father that sent him. But he would not leave us orphans. That he was going to give us the Holy Spirit to be with us until he returns because he will return and thank god that he's going to return because he's going to make this place way better so today maybe you've never accepted jesus as who he is the true king of this world that he was emmanuel that he was god with us that there's been no one like him and that he is going to return again. Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you. It's always been God's intention to have a personal relationship with you where you can hear him, you know what his sound is like, that you can see his presence moving amongst this place, and that you would experience him like you've never had before. So I'm going to pray for you today. And in this prayer, I'm going to pray that God begins to reveal some lies that you've believed about him. And as some things begin to come to your mind as I pray, I want you to just say, God, I, I, I give that to you. Let God show you what the truth is. Let God reveal to you who he is so you can know him more. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. Lord, we all come to you. God, every single one of us says, Lord, we want to know you more. God, we want to know who you truly are. God, we want a personal relationship with you. So God, I pray that you would reveal any lies that have been taught to us. God, I pray that you would reveal any half-truths that we have believed about you. 
Lord, reveal to us how you see us, the truth about our life. Lord, we give you any doubt. God, we give you any worry. Lord, we give you our shame. Lord, we give you our guilt. Lord, we give you all performance. Lord, we say it's all for you. Jesus, we just say thank you for being with us. God, thank you for being Emmanuel, a God that desires to be with us. Lord, we believe for eyes to see. God, we believe for miracles that will happen in our life, that we will see them. Lord, help us to see the miracles that are in front of us. God, help us to see a brand new sight of you that we have never seen before. God, we love you. God, we praise you because you are good. Lord, we worship you because you are faithful. God, I pray for a renewed worship in this place. God, that we would worship you in a new way because we know you in a new way. God, that we would sing your praises. God, that we would declare that you are good. That we would declare that you are faithful, that you are worthy. God, that we would have the boldness to testify about your goodness, about your faithfulness. Come on, a church that believes that the Lord is good, can we give God some praise?